One note here before I, I uh, bring Shane up here. Um, Nikki King has been serving as our administrative assistant for, um, it's been around a year. Um, and we have been so grateful for her and her filling in for us. And the Lord is leading her and her family uh, elsewhere. But we bless them and we love them. And we are just so thankful for Nikki and, and her service to our church. So just wanted to mention that. All right. Um, so <laughs> I love doing this. Uh, I love having somebody come to the stage and, and interview them and hear, to hear about uh, God's work in their life. And God is so amazing that he pursues us, right? Like he, he wants us all to be in a saving relationship to him, and so he's constantly working in our lives to pursue us, to bring us to a place where we come to him in repentance and faith, right? Where we come to him before him, and we acknowledge our sin, we acknowledge our rebellion against him, and then we surrender our life to him, trusting that he died in our place for our sins, so that we could be reconciled to the Father, so that we could have a relationship with him that will last forever. And what's amazing about God, too, and we hear it in Carrie's story as well, is that once we're converted, that that's the process of conversion, God doesn't stop working on us. And he is the great heart surgeon, and he just continues to mold and shape us so that we live out more fully our new identity in Christ. And Shane is a perfect example of that. I've thoroughly enjoyed getting to know him really only over the last couple of months. And it's been neat uh, to hear God's work in his life. And I'm excited for, for you to hear it. You know, here at, at Abundant Life, we constantly talk about how God's power transforms. Like we're constantly talking about that. Um, and he will give you new desires, he will give you new motivations, he will give you a new perspective. I mean, he just gives us a new life. But sometimes you just need to hear a real story about that, right? Because it's evidence that what we preach here is <laughs> extremely, extremely true. And if you have not given your life to Christ, I pray that you would. So that it can be made new. And if you think you've given your life to Christ, but there is no new desires, there is no new motivations, there is no new perspective, there's no new habits, you have to really question, have I really come to Jesus in repentance and faith? So uh, be thinking about that. Um, let's have Shane come to the stage. Let's give him a warm, abundant life welcome. I uh, love the, the, the chairs and the table. It's like fireside chats. Wasn't there a Saturday Night, Saturday night Live a sketch with something like this? Um, tell us about your Christmas, Shane. Uh, it was good. Is my mic on? I don't know if it's on. It's on now. All right. It was a really good Christmas. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to get used to this. Uh, <laughs> It was a good Christmas. Um, our family came over. It was at our house, so we didn't have to travel too far, which was a blessing. We did have to clean up. Um, 
but we had a really good time with the family. The kids absolutely loved, you know, we have nine grandkids, <laughs> so they all got to hang out, and it was just great, really good. Yeah. Good, man. <laughs> Sorry. I don't I feel like um, I need to cross my legs. <laughs> yes, get, get cozy. Uh, your daughter said, I came to me, is it Alexandria? Yeah. And she came to me and she said, I can't wait to be singing on that stage. I said, well, hey, let's make that happen. That is awesome. Did you know that? No, because she hasn't come up here yet for the prayer, so I don't, ah. I didn't anticipate. So that would be a nice baby step. <laughs> so we'll have to work on that. But your kids are so stinking cute. Thank you. And what's the little one with the glasses? That's Abigail. It, it, she's not in here no, right now, right? No, they went, yeah. All right, oh, good. is she in here? I don't want to embarrass her. Okay. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> Little kids with glasses. Is there anything cuter than that? That's what I want to know. No. No. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, Shane, tell us how you got to Abundant Life. How did this come about? Um, well, Bethany and I, we've been looking for a church for a really long time. Um, we've had a kind of a difficulty finding one. Um, and, you know, we've tried a lot of different churches in the area. And I found you guys online um, probably four months ago, but there wasn't any, you know, I didn't see a website address, and I saw one picture, so I didn't really know if there was a church there or not, um, because we've seen that that's been a problem on Google. Um, but we, we just didn't feel right at a lot of different churches that we went to, and when we, it was the perfect timing, like it was God's timing. We, we came here, I saw the website, um, your name was my name, so I kind of thought that was pretty He's cool. He's got to be a cool, <laughs> handsome guy, right? Yeah. And uh, basically, we we came here, and everybody was just so nice. We were in the back row over there. They're the rowdy row, I think. Yeah. Um, yep. And they made us feel right at home. Um, I love that you guys had a lot of life groups, and there was a lot of community, and we want to really try to be, be able to get to some more of those. Um, but yeah, everybody was just really nice and the worship and the, the teaching, everything lined up, you know, so that's why we, we've been here ever since. Yeah, absolutely. It's been awesome having you. And Thank you. So let me ask you this. So, so take us back. What, tell us about your parents. What was their view on Christ, God, the church, those sorts of things? <clears throat> well, um, I'm from Alabama. I don't know if I've told a lot of you that, but I moved up here, um, about eight years ago, and down where I'm from, I lived in the Bible Belt area, so basically that means that everybody went to church. There was a church on every corner, and I, I say this because I, I, it'll make sense when I talk about my parents. Mm -hmm. um, my mom always had like kind of a close relationship and a really like sweet spiritual connection with the Lord, and she always told me that, you know, God loves me, and my dad, though, on the other hand, um, he was a little bit more into like the legalistic aspect. Mm -hmm. So it was all very rigid. You know, you need to look this way, you need to do this, but it was void of relationship. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a good story with that at the end. So I'm, I'm not just bashing on him or anything, but mm -hmm. it was, you know, it was really common for, for, for it to be more legalistic and, and void of, of uh, relationship where I grew up. So <clears throat> their view of Jesus was you celebrate Easter, you celebrate Christmas. Um, I never really knew much about Jesus beyond that. Mm -hmm. um, so it was kind of just, you know, we, that's something that we did. We just went to church. Right, yeah. right. Absolutely. And, yeah, so you're, you're getting into a little bit of what your view was of, 
of Christ and God um, growing up. Expand on that a bit. Okay, so <clears throat> the, the longest, I guess the furthest back I can remember, um, going to church was, like I said, it was kind of a chore. So there wasn't a lot of relationship on my end. And I think that, I got to get used to this, but uh, I think that the, the, the thing for me was my view of God was that he was distant. He was far away. Um, he was largely not relational. Um, he was more interested in what you did and if you did it right. I had a really bad view of God. I, I didn't think he was very intimate or that he really cared too much. I felt like he needed to be appeased, and I had to somehow get my life in order to try to get him to, you know, have me in his favor. Mm. And that was, you know, I, I think a lot of the sermons that I heard back then um, were more about, you know, what you need to do on your end to get to him. And there was this big gap between you and God. Mm-hmm. And all of the do's and the don'ts, like the rules, I knew that I could never keep those. So, I mean, you know, for me, it was like, well, I, I don't think this is for me. Mm-hmm. So that was my earliest um, experience with the church mm-hmm. and, and my view of God. Mm-hmm. And you, you had a punitive kind of view of God, right? That yeah. if you don't measure up, you know, God is the God with the big stick who's looking to, yep, beat you into line. If right. You the hammer was cocked. It, yep. One mistake, it drops. Yep. And then it's on you to try to get your stuff together or else you and him are kind of disconnected until that happens. Right. That was the view I had from a very early on. Right. Um, and you rejected that. And you mm-hmm. ran away from that. Yeah. And I'm not shocked that you did. Right. Who wants a God like that? Right. Well, evidently, a lot of people. Yep. Because a lot of people. Yeah, that's I mean, true. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just. That's um, a lot of people's God image. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's common. At least, and that's, I mean, like I said, in the Bible Belt, especially, I don't know so much, you know, but. Yeah. The, see, the thing is, is that everyone that I knew who went to church was, most of them were doing the same things that I did, except I told them that I didn't believe. Mm-hmm. So there was not a, yeah, I didn't see a life of Christ that made me want to know Christ. Right. I just, so they would go to church on Sunday, do, go through the motions, and then engage in all the stuff, the, the, the not good stuff that you were engaging in um, through the week. Yeah. Not all of them, but mm-hmm. a lot. And, you know, I'd be with my friends on a Saturday night doing what the world does, and then I would be judged for not going to the church on Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I just thought it was just like every other religion. You know, and there wasn't much for me to believe in, mm-hmm. you know, because uh, I didn't see a change in life. Right, right. Yeah, so tell us uh, about, so you're getting older, um, and uh, what you, so you reject that image of God, you reject that view of Christianity, mm-hmm. and then what did you then turn to? What did you run to then? <clears throat> well, um, for me, and this, I have to kind of share a little bit into sure. that to explain it. I think it wasn't until I was about nine years old, and I knew that, you know, I wasn't really following after religion. Um, And a neighborhood friend uh, introduced me to pornography at nine. And I, he actually made me swear on a Bible that if I told anyone, I'd go to hell. Um, So the fear, (laughs) I'm glad you're laughing because I was horrified. I, I don't know. I still had a belief that maybe this is true, and I'm probably going there. Um, but you know, and, and he showed me this and I was disturbed by it. And I told my mother 
that day. And, but something also kind of captivated me because I didn't have anything else. At home, my life was kind of rough because, because That's my... That's me. Yeah, right. um, my, uh, my dad was very harsh. I'm adopted, by the way, too. So I believe in, for my case, nature versus nurture is accurate because I had a much different nature than my dad. He was extremely tough, extremely rough. I was so sensitive. I would, pit, I would actually stand up for people when they got bullied, and in return, I got bullied. So, you know, for me, it was like, wow, maybe this will keep me uh, feeling something, you know, because my life at home is just such a mess. Maybe this, will, this is the answer. Mm. So since I didn't have an answer in God, you know, I found an answer through the outlets of the world, the counterfeits. Yep. And it wasn't long until I started to realize that, and I'm sorry if there's sensitive ears, I just want to share this, but uh, if, uh, you know, it didn't take me long until I realized that late night television was a thing. And, you know, I started to daily get into that. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's how I kind of started getting trapped. Right. And I don't know how far you want me to keep going with that. Well, so your your God image and your, your, the, your dad mm-hmm. really lined up. Yes, yeah, that's how I viewed him. Yep. Through and often our father, our relationship to our father, does shape and inform and influence our view of God as father. Absolutely. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. All right, so you're you're engaging and viewing pornography, and that becomes a daily. A right. daily habit. I, I think when we had talked before, you you mentioned that. Um, all right, if I can't if I can't measure up to these expectations, then I'm just gonna totally yeah. go the opposite way, right? Yeah, yeah. But that was your mentality. Like if you you talk about you know your your motivations and how sin had a hold on you. What were your thought processes and yeah. So yeah, and it, it progressed. I found you know cigarettes at the same age, and I you know that gave me a buzz, and I thought, wow, these two things really connect. Mm-hmm. I need to go further with that. Mm-hmm. Um, when and when I turned thirteen, I'm tying all this in. But when I yeah. turned thirteen, it's when it really got um, worse. My good friend um, turned me on to drugs um, when I was thirteen, and he introduced me to a version of pornography that was much worse than the one that I was ever um, influenced by. I actually remember getting disgusted um, when I saw it, and he called me a term that was a slang for someone who is is a homosexual if I didn't like it. So I forced myself to like it, and that's where, you know, without a, a role model or without really knowing what a man is, my version was skewed. I thought that it was what the world offered, and that's what made made me, you know, go after what that was. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it was. So that was like the introduction into into that. I feel like I kind of went off the question. No, right? you're okay. doing great. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just like I knew you would do. And so yeah, and so I remember you saying your motivation, your mentality was like life was all about how can I get as much pleasure. Um, yeah. Like that became the focus, right? Right. Right. And. You know, and back to, to what you were asking earlier, when I went to the um, to a Christian school, when I first started in middle school, the entire um, class that I was a part of, I'd say 90% of us were drinking, using drugs, and actively, you know, having sex with people. And the, uh, the Bible teacher at the school set us down, and he told us, you better think twice before you do that, because if you go out and you drink and you die, you go straight to hell. 
So all of us, on top of what we already thought, we got together and said, man, we are going to hell anyway. Right. Let's just party. Yep. I mean, it, I know that sounds crazy, but that was really how we thought. Yeah. Um, you know, and I just, I knew that if there was a God, that, that he wanted nothing to do with me. And, you know, we just went full on into sin. And that was my comfort. That was my security. That meant everything to me. If I could just get more pleasure out of what I'm seeking, then, then I will find life. But the further that I went, the worse that it got, the less life I received. And, you know, that's, that's how it just started to get worse and worse. Yeah. Um, and this, this, this period, this season of your life lasted for a long time. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, and how bad did it get? Like, what yeah. drugs did you? Every drug. Um, the only yeah. thing I didn't really do was hallucinogens. Um, mm-hmm. I was into opiates, cocaine, alcohol, um, every uh, severe alcohol use disorder. Um, there it goes, my counselor. Sorry, <laughs> didn't mean to diagnose myself. <laughs> but um, I, I just there was never enough. I mean, my dad at the time we we had engaged in physical violence. Um, we had no relationship. Tell, got, us, tell us about that that moment. Which, the moment. Yeah. Um, when. I was drinking a lot, and on a Father's Day, and I'm not proud of any of this. This is terrible stuff, obviously, but my, uh, my dad and me got into a fight on Father's Day. It was a fist fight, and he was – we had so much stuff, but we never knew how to talk, like, and that's why there's a lot of redemption that comes out of this, but we never knew how to talk. So I just looked at his Corvette and the things that he liked – the most and showed his love and affection towards us as things that he really cared about. So we got in a fight. My mom called the police and I was 17 years old and I, I picked up a uh, edger and I smashed it through the windshield of his Corvette. And I, I said, you love this expletive car more than me. And I went to jail and uh, for domestic violence. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was, that was a rough period. After that, it was, I was out of the house. I was kicked out of the house uh, for the rest of, until I got clean, mm-hmm. um, it was in and out mm-hmm. and, you know, it was, it was a rough period of time. I got expelled for, from school, um, from high school because of a DUI that I got in front of the entire school, wow. um, which is crazy. Um, and then they kicked us out cause they're a Christian school. Mm-hmm. So you can't, you know, obviously I don't blame them. I would have kicked me out yeah. too, but <laughs> That I don't blame them <laughs> at all. Um, trust me. But um, that. So th- and then after that, I just I went into hard drugs, mm. and I was in nine rehabs total. Wow. I started going to rehab when I was in junior high, um, and the only the only thing that's redemptive of that is that Robert Downey Jr. did that. He he went to nine rehabs. Okay. <laughs> Didn't know. I'm sorry. I try. If there's any redemption in that, um, but none. <laughs> No, I, I couldn't get clean. Mm-hmm. There was a, like, is, this is cliche, but there was a God-shaped hole in my heart and nothing filled it. No matter how much I tried to fill it with sex, drugs, and alcohol and all that, nothing ever worked. Right, right. So it just kept getting yeah. worse. And, yeah. And, and, and so how long did this season last? I mean, it started around 12, 13. 13 until 24. Wow. And, and then that's when things got a little bit. There was a little sunshine. Yeah, yeah. Know. Yeah, and how did that sunshine come? Okay. And what did that look like? And yeah, right. tell us about that. 
Well, um, there's water there too if you need oh, any. That's all right. Thank you. Yeah, yep, no yeah. problem. <laughs> Just looking out for you. Thank you. Um, I uh, I'm trying to think now. Yeah, the there a lot of my life was kind of a blackout. So I mean, really, I don't remember a lot from about 20 to 24. Um, there were days when I would go on binges and not recall what I did for three days, and I don't remember. But for some reason. I remember the weirdest stuff, like a guy coming up to me in a bar. I can't tell you what bar it was. I can't tell you where I was or what I was doing. But a guy came up to me, and he looked at me. I don't remember a face or anything, and he said, Jesus loves you, and he wanted me to tell you this. And I would scoff at that, but I never forgot it. It's weird. It was like the truth was somewhere, but I didn't realize that that that's what it was. And I just had, I met people that knew Jesus over and over again because I was squatting at houses, um, you know, and, and I happened to be at a house where my, uh, the, the person who took me in was a Christian. And, you know, and, and that's how I just kept running into all these Christians. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand why. Um, and you said it, that that was just crazy. Like, you don't take addict, an addict into your house. Like, people don't do that, right? right. They don't. That Nobody else really would. And he did. And he was one of those kind of interesting uh, Christians that would take someone like me into their house. I still don't know why he would do that, um, but he did. And, you know, the, while I was there, he knew a friend who got radically delivered. Um, he was homosexual, and he was addicted to uh, drugs, street drugs, and he was on the streets his whole life. And he got radically delivered by Jesus. And he called him up. And I'm like, dude, I don't want to talk to anybody about Jesus. Now, look, this, what I'm about to tell you, don't run with it necessarily. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not saying that this is the best way to minister to people, okay? But this guy showed up with a six-pack. And at the time, I, I, would, I was like, oh, my God, is this a Jesus guy with a six-pack? All right, man. So I sat with him. Again, I'm not promoting that now. I'm just... Anyway, um, yeah. he brings a six-pack and cigars, and I'm, I'm sitting with him, and he's ministering to me. I'm trying to convince him he's still gay because I'm not a believer. He mm. forgave me for that. <laughs> uh, um, but I, uh, I, I'm sitting there drinking with him, and he looks at me, and he tells me something that nobody. I've never heard this in the church. I've never heard this from anybody in my life. And he looked at me in the state of, of what I was in, and he said, I see Christ in you what? You know, and that meant like a lot because everyone else saw the opposite, you know, and um, so I kind of stuck with him. Unfortunately, for three more years I was using, um, I ended up turning yellow because my liver was getting messed up, and you know, the last stint in rehab, I ended up on a medication-assisted treatment, and I ended up getting sober, um, sober, long enough. I say that because I was on a lot of medicine and stuff at the time. Um, And I spent two years living the same, trying to just do everything I did without the drugs. And this guy finds me on Facebook, which is proof that Facebook isn't always bad. Mm -hmm. Because if he didn't find me, (laughs) um, he, anyway, he, um, he sent me a box. He wanted to give me a box um, of material, like Christian material. And I said, that's cool, whatever. And he mm-hmm. sent it. Now, I'm not looking for Jesus. I'm not looking for anything. I just want to go through life as best I can, you know. And this box comes. 
and I open it up and I see all these books about union, like union with Jesus, stuff I never really knew about. Um, and actually the book said stuff they never told you about the cross. <laughs> I was like, well, that's immediately interesting because right. I, I don't know what. The author knew what he was doing with that title. I, yes, yes, and he has. That, that book has gotten more people that would never go to church, and that's awesome. Um, but, you know, he said stuff they never told you about the cross, and I'm reading it, and I'm intrigued by it, and this is when, the, this is when everything changes. And, you know, I, I'm reading the, the book, and a Bible verse that I'd never heard in my life, I read for the first time, and it's Galatians 2.20, which I'm pretty sure every one of you guys have heard and know. Um, it, says, it said, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life that I live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And man, I, and it might sound weird, but I felt something in my heart burn for the first time in my life. I mean, it reminded me of the road to Emmaus in Luke when Jesus opened up the scriptures and their hearts burned. I, and I'd never felt spiritual anything. I've only felt darkness my whole life. And I just go, I, and I had a vision, and I saw Jesus on the cross, and I saw myself get put into him. And the same nail that went through his hands went through mine. And I saw myself die with him. Mm. And, I, and it was so real to me. I saw the father look at the son and see that that's where I died with him. That, 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 see, the whole time with my view even, I was running from a God that, was, that I thought was bad, that wanted nothing to do with me. I have to emphasize this. What shocked me is that not only was I dead wrong, but he was fully in love with me and he 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 killed everything that that I did wrong. He took away things that I never thought would be taken away. Mm. You know, you have you have your sin with you until you see that it was on the cross and I saw that. Anyway, the, uh the, I looked up at the ceiling and if I ever did pray it was always like this. <laughs> right. <laughs> but this time I look up and my eyes are open and I look at the ceiling and I go, "Jesus." I said, "God, can you, and I don't know why I prayed this. I said, God, can you give me the Holy Spirit? I don't even know why I prayed that. Mm. I, I didn't even really know about the Holy Spirit. Right. You know? I was Baptist. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm um, sorry. Um, yeah, so three, three days later, um, I, uh, I'm talking to my friend who sent me the books. And I mean, I'm going off on the phone. Like, I can't believe Jesus is real, man. This is mm. nuts. And I walk into my back room. And this, I'm going to share this. And there's only one reason, I have three reasons I'm going to share this. I told my wife this morning because I prayed about it. I want to, if nobody's experienced this, I want you to know that it's available for everybody. That's one. Two, I can't remember. <laughs> oh, it's two. Um... <laughs> Two, um, I want to inspire faith, okay? And then three, I want to I I brag on God mm. because he's so good. Mm. And that's, that's the main reasons. Okay, so um, I walk into, this, uh, into the back room, and something falls out of heaven and lands on my head. That's all. I, I, I can explain this, but 
um, it felt like something just landed on me. And all of a sudden, the whole atmosphere in the room changed. And it was like I was in glory. Mm. And that's the best way I can describe it. I had an encounter with, with him. And I was freaking out. I was freaking out. I was trembling. I was on the phone. I was going, <laughs> hey, Jay. I actually was talking like a kid. So maybe we, you know, we become like children in his presence, right? Yeah. So I was like, hey, Jay. And he starts laughing. I'm like, what's funny? I'm looking for Xanax. I'm dying yeah, here. Right. Um, and he goes, dude, the Lord's blessing you. Hmm. And I finally lay down on the floor and li- literally wave after wave after wave of glory and love, perfect love, washed me. Mm. That's, what, that's what I experienced in that room that day. And, I, and he's just reading Bible verses to me through, my, through, my, through a phone. I don't even know Bible verses. I'm just like, okay, okay. And um, unfortunately, they were about being martyred. I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> but <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. But um, anyway, uh, um, so, yeah, and I get up on the couch, and you know, I'm off the phone with him, and I mean, I, it's just ecstasy. I mean, I can't, it, uh, drugs are a counterfeit. Mm. Like, that's what people, they, see, everybody thinks Jesus is like this joke. They have no idea how powerful his presence is and how intoxicating his presence is. And it, it you know, drugs are a counterfeit. Mm. So I just wanted to say that. Mm. <laughs> um, but I, I was sitting on the couch. And I felt these um, something bubble up inside of me. And I said, Abba, Abba. And my Bible that I still have today, it was open to Romans 8 because I wanted to study the Bible after I found out he was, he was true, right? And you have to start in Romans if you're a good evangelical. <laughs> right. And um, so I got Romans 8 up. I already read Romans 6, you're crucified with Christ. And Romans 8 comes up. And I look at, at the verse 15, the Lord led me to it, and then it jumped off the page at me. It said, you have not been given a spirit of fear that leads to slavery, but you have been given the spirit of adoption by whom we cry, Abba. So that, and, you know, and that was my experience, the spirit of adoption. And I remember walking past my TV, the news was on, I was grossed out by it. Nothing is, it's just crazy how good he is, you know? And for I was running around town hugging strangers. Mm-hmm. People, people probably, they, they did. They thought I was crazy. Mm-hmm. And because, I mean, I was on drugs. So yeah, right. um, <laughs> you don't really believe conversion stories until like a few years later because you think maybe they're high. Right. All right. <laughs> but um, anyway, they, I'm hugging strangers. They think I'm crazy. And uh, long story short, I just encountered the Lord for like five months, man. I, my whole walk with him was looking at the ceiling and having his presence come. And let me tell you something. Like, I used to think that God was angry and mean and bad, and that's why we tremble in his presence. But that is not true. He is so good that we tremble mm. because he is so perfect. I mean, if you imagine perfect love showing up and you're in perfect unlove, let the rocks cover me up, right? Mm-hmm. So I just never knew he was that good. He's so good. He's perfect. And, you know, my revelation was that I'm a new creation, that old me died, that there is no longer my old sinful self. He was crucified with Jesus Christ. 
And I live by that every day, man. You consider yourself dead to sin, alive to God. That's what I had to do because you don't just walk out of years of, of entrapment and bondage and, and just lackadaisically think that you might be free one day. Mm. You have to say, I am free. Mm-hmm. Who the sun sets free is free indeed. However, it took me time to experience my full deliverance because, again, like 21 years porn addiction and stuff like that, the way I look at it is my sinful self's gone, but I had sin habits, and they needed to be dealt with. Where our mind doesn't renew overnight, right? So I had to learn to present my body to God, believe what he said apart from my circumstances, declare the truth over it, and wait for him to live through me and give me the power to be who I am in him. And that's, that's how I got fully delivered. I've been delivered from porn now for two years. Took me some time, you know. Mm. Thanks. Not my fault. <laughs> it's not my fault. Yeah. It's his fault. Um, but he, you know, when it says you no longer live but Christ lives in you, that's what, that's what Christ in you is your new life. Anything besides that, I couldn't stomach it. Um, you know, because I knew that I had no cards to play. It's either his or, or nothing. And uh, so that that's, you know, and then the alcohol and the drugs, I've been off that, I don't know, maybe four years, mm. four to five now. It, drugs for sure, but alcohol. So, I mean, I know that it's the, it's the truth. And, you know, and he's just he's just continuing with me. Yeah. You know, he's blessed me with the family. And yeah. I think I jumped way ahead there. You were doing it. Okay. Yeah. I'm sorry. We can back up. <laughs> Look, I. Yeah, you're awesome, and God has made you awesome, and I could just listen to you talk all day, and um, it's part of why I wanted you to come talk to these people, because they need to hear what I've been hearing. Um, Tell us, though, your wife, I can't wait to get to know her more, because I can tell already she is awesome. She is awesome. First time I met her, I'm like, she's awesome. She is awesome. Yep. And I know that she has been instrumental in all of this, and I know her father has been as well. Yes. So talk to us about them too. Thank you. Um, okay, so my, yeah, my wife knew the Lord since she was 12, okay? And she, she lived like a really good life. Um, you know, she always knew him and followed after him. She was the complete opposite of me. She was someone I probably would have joked on a little bit if I was – still there in that because you were so good and it convicted me um and then i long story short her her whole family has been amazing i mean let me let me say this okay so i moved up to ohio i i met the 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 guy let me just share this he the guy who wrote the book i saw him in a conference and i met some people that lived up here and the day that i thought i need to move up here is the day they asked me to do it so i move up here the day i was about to leave is the day i met her and she always prayed for a sinner, which is really weird. I don't know why she did that, but she did. So um, I ended up um, meeting her, and, you know, I was still growing. I still had a lot of stuff I was growing mm. in, and, I mean, I can't, you know. And, but long story short, um, her family has been instrumental in, in, in me in growing and learning how to, how to be, belong to a family. Um, they... They have de- her father spent at least a year speaking over my life, and he refused to judge me based on my alcohol and my pornography. Instead, he said, that's not who you are anymore. I'm not going to view you after the flesh. You are dead to sin, so let's count it dead and let's move on. 
And he discipled me. I had never had a person disciple me until I met her dad. And he has, had, he has helped me and been instrumental in, in speeding up my growth with the Lord tremendously. And I, and I do believe it's because of that. He never told me, you have to go die to, die to yourself, kill yourself off, you try to apply these principles. He didn't do that. He just said, you are in Christ. Therefore, you are not a sinner. You are a saint. And he refused to see me any other way. So I, I firmly stand on that, that there's so much freedom for us in Jesus, man. You, we don't have to let sin have a day in our lives mm. in Christ. So. Mm. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, um, tell us tell us how God is currently transforming you. And, you know, obviously um, you've only been connected with us just a little bit. But how has this church played a part in that as well? So, um, well, like this church, man, you guys, um, I know I don't know all of you. This is a weird way to get to know you. <laughs> um, but... I, everyone that I've met has been extremely kind and welcoming. We haven't felt unwelcomed at all. Um, you guys are walking in love. I mean, really, I mean that. I, I want to get to know you more, and that's the reason I'm, you know, doing this in here and everything. But um, I just feel like this is where we need to be. This is where we need to grow. We're, we're moving beyond just, like, you know, you guys doing great things, but we want to be a blessing to the church, too. That's, that's, that's in our heart. Um, so yeah, you, that, and I got to brag on Shane for a minute, just because he told me I couldn't do this unless I did. Um, (laughs) that's a joke. Um, but no, he, he, um, Shane, all right, so I've been going, this has been a hard year for me. I know I'm telling you my testimony. This has been a hard year. It's been the hardest year. I've never had so many contradictions in the faith hit me at once. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just to be honest, it's challenged me. Um, so mm-hmm. and this gets into the transformation. But yeah. Shane um, spent 30 minutes talking to me on the phone when I was going through a horrible uh, spiritual attack because I'm a counselor. I, I'm trying to give people this message in prison. Okay, and 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 it's ever since I started doing that, I've been getting resistance because obviously the devil doesn't want these people to know Jesus. Um, So he intimidates. So I've been intimidated with fear and things like that this year. And and uh, uh, Shane actually spent 30 minutes talking to me on the phone. And later that night, uh, he texted me and he said, how are you doing, man? And I was like, Brett Bethany. The pastor texts me, asks me how I'm doing. <laughs> Pastors don't do that. <laughs> and and he, he said, how are you doing? I told him, I'm actually doing a lot better. What you said helped. And he said, awesome, man. You're going to make it through this. And you said, you're not in this alone. We're in this together. And my heart was on fire because that nobody's ever really, apart from her dad and some people, like actually done that. So, and then two ladies here, man, that they actually took me in the, the back room when I was going through it, and they set me down and prayed. And I mean, you, I just that stuff matters. I mean, I, I love how Shane and a bunch of other people here also want the church to be a place where people can come in and get healing, and be able to come in with their problems and not be pushed to the side. Mm. Um, and that's I'm all for that. Mm. So appreciate it. Amen. Yeah. How can we pray for you and um, Bethany yeah. and your awesome kids? And yeah. Um, I get, honestly, I, I kind of thought about that last night, and then I forgot it. Um, <laughs> let me, but honestly, just, just for our family, 
to get more involved, um, that this year would be a year where our jobs, we really just break through with the clients. I'm pr please pray for salvation for these clients. They, they are under so much stuff, and they don't have anybody. So, you know, just for salvations, the power of the Spirit in that. Um, and just that we can be a blessing here and really connect and grow relationally with everybody. Absolutely. Let's pray for you now. Let me, uh, I like to touch people while I pray for them. No, sit down. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Lord, thank you so much for Shane. We are so grateful for him and Bethany and their wonderful children. We're so grateful for his story because it's really your story. And you are the great redeemer. And Shane is living proof of that. Lord, thank you that you have allowed our past to cross. What a blessing. Um, Lord, we pray that you will, and we know you will finish the work that you have begun, that you will see it to completion in Shane's life and in Bethany's life. Lord, we pray that you would put a hedge of protection around them and their family. We know the tactics of the enemy, and it's so true. The enemy likes to attack our identity in Christ. He likes to try and, and bring fear wherever he can. Lord, we pray that you would allow Shane and Bethany to move in power, that, uh, that, that, that you who are in him would just continue to prove to be stronger than he who is in the world. We pray for breakthrough for Shane's clients. We pray that they would experience the same deliverance, the same redemption that you have brought into Shane's life. Give Shane great discernment and wisdom as he talks with these clients. Give him the right heart uh, to have for these clients as well. And Lord, we do pray that you would help us to help Shane and Bethany become even more a part of our church family. And we pray that the people in this room would continue to make them feel as if they are an extremely valuable part of our church. We love you, Jesus. Uh, you receive the glory. This is such a wonderful story of your amazing grace. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.